Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dorr at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight. I am your host, Andrew Dorr. We are recording this episode on Monday, February 7th, 2022. Pretty exciting week to talk about last week in the stock market and uh, what's going on in the world internationally. So we're going to spend some time on that. But before we do, I want to remind everybody as we do every episode that uh, please don't take anything that you are hearing today as individual advice on uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, etc. We are not offering any buy or sell recommendations here and we would encourage you to speak directly with your individual financial advisor. So with that in mind, Let's let's dive in a little bit here to what's going on because uh, we talked about a week ago. There was a lot of, as we called it, Fed psychosis going on in the market. It was a crazy week of trading a couple weeks ago. And last week, we were really hopeful that the world would be able to begin to some begin to return to some level of normalcy, normalcy, and not be so focused on some of the. Ex- external things focusing the market like the Fed, like Omicron, and would instead be able to focus a little bit more internally on things like earnings. And we got that this week. Um, It may not have been exactly what we were hoping for, uh, but we did get that. And so we're going to talk about that in detail, specifically as it relates to uh, our friends at uh, the company formerly known as Facebook, now known as Meta. But we're also going to spend some time this week talking about international affairs and you know full disclosure we're financial guys we are not international affairs experts but there is some stuff going on in the world that we think it's worth talking about and it's particularly timely uh, now as we sit here and enter into the time period that we get every two years uh, the winter olympics or the summer olympics every two years you know one of those few times in the world where it's acceptable to be a little bit shall we say jingoistic uh, in our thought processes. Uh, one of the few times you'll hear people chanting USA, USA at the local bar. And, uh, you know, we're chanting it too. We want to see our athletes do well. But it also set a particularly interesting stage uh, as leaders of country like Russia and China uh, were arm in arm while countries like the United States were avoiding the Olympics, uh, at least diplomatically, if not athletically. So, We're going to tie into both those things today, but let's start with earnings. Let's start with, we're going to call it the meta madness. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone now. By the time you're listening to this, you know what happened uh, with meta last week. They had a very bad week. Stock was down almost, uh, I think, almost 30% year to date. And any time that a company the size of Facebook you know, before last week, it was a market cap of over $1 trillion. It was a company that made up more than 2% of the S&P 500 index. Anytime a company like that takes a hit like it did, the market in and of itself is going to freak out a little bit. And that happened. Uh, you know, let's first break down the impetus of the, of the meltdown. Uh, you know, it was a weak earnings report. Why did they have a weak earnings report? They had a weak earnings report for a number of reasons, but I think largely uh, was caused by changes in Apple's privacy policies. Those of you who are users of iPhones know that when you download an app now, it asks you 
uh, whether or not you want to share personally identifying information uh, with the app producer. And if you're like me, you click no. And when you click no, that makes it more difficult for Facebook to be able to share that information with their advertisers. And so if they can't provide as much targeted advertising as they have in the past, that's obviously going to impact their largest stream of revenue, which is advertising sales. So that was the big hit this week with Facebook. You know, the rough estimate is about a $10 billion hit to advertising revenues for this year. Uh, Coming off a $1 trillion valuation, that isn't a huge thing. Probably didn't justify a 20 or 30% crash in the stock. But I think the crash in Facebook stock, much like the retreats we've seen in companies like Microsoft and Tesla and others, I, I think this is much more a symptom of the market realizing that the valuations on these companies are incredibly stretched. We talked uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe, about the fact that in 2021, there were just five companies in the index that made up 35% of the S&P 500's growth. And so you have these companies, mostly large cap tech companies, that are living on the razor's edge on valuations. And so when they have a bad earnings report, those, they're going to be much more likely to suffer, especially in light of rising interest rates potentially and everything else that's going on in the world. So I would argue that this earnings report was probably more of the final shove that pushed invest, investors off the ledge on Meta uh, and not nearly as much of, uh, you know, kind of a broader market indice. But, you know, the other thing to remember here is that Yes, Meta got kicked in the shins. Yes, we had a couple bad days in the market last week. But yet again, for the second week in a row, the market ended the week up. Why? A lot of people are going to cite the jobs report. You know, we've been talking about this jobs issue in Omicron for a while now. I'll be the first to admit, I would not have expected the jobs report that we got last week. We beat expectations on jobs by more than 3x. The expectation was uh, 150,000 new jobs created in January. The number came in slightly above 450,000. So that was a very big beat, especially considering the number of people that have been out of work or you know have been taking time off of work because of Omicron. So that beat was a big deal in what drove the market higher, especially on Friday. But I think we have to come back to the most fundamental reason, and it's the thing you've heard us harp on before. We're going to harp on a lot more, which is that earnings matter, and the earnings results that we're seeing right now continue to be very positive. Yes, Meta had a bad day, but we now have over 50% of all S&P 500 companies having reported, 76% of those that have reported have exceeded their earnings expectations and have done so in a pretty strong way. So. In the end, earnings still and always will matter. And we think that more than anything was probably the biggest driver in the market having a very good week. We'll continue to track that through earnings season and keep you up to speed on what we're seeing in that space. But the story we've been talking about for a while, finding value in good companies that have good earnings, that pay a dividend, is certainly that strategy is paying off this year. And we would argue will continue to pay off as the year moves forward. So let's move away from that, and we're going to talk about a little bit more subjective topic here and talking about international affairs. 
We dug into the re- Ukraine a little bit with our readers in the Weekly Insight Memo last week and with our listeners last week on this podcast. And we talked about the fact that, you know, in the end, there's only one guy that knows what's going to happen in the Ukraine, and his name is Vlad. And while Mr. Putin has not, you know, indicated exactly what he's going to do yet, we know that an invasion of the Ukraine is going to have an economic impact in specifically two areas, food and fuel. And so certainly a good time to buttress your portfolios for that, but at which we've been trying to do in our managed portfolios, but yet it's still hard to say exactly what's going to happen. But it was in that conversation last week, you know, in saying that there's only one guy who really knows what he's going to do, it got us thinking and, and it got us to the point where we said, well, why don't we go dig in a little more into what he's actually saying about what he's going to do, because he hasn't been saying a lot publicly in the last few weeks. He did have a press conference. He had, I believe it was the Hungarian Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, in Moscow this week, and they did a short press conference. It was not much new ground uh, was broken during that conversation about the Ukraine, other than to say that, the, you know, the U.S. and the West is encroaching upon their territory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The same uh, line that we've been receiving from him for a while. But we started to dig in a little more, and we kept seeing reference to this essay Vladimir Putin had written about the Ukraine. And we kept seeing it referenced, but we never really saw it quoted. We never really saw much detail on it. And so I got to thinking, and I said, you know, maybe we should go find this essay. So I started digging around, and I ended up on... Uh, the Russian Federation's Foreign Service website, which I'm sure means I have, you know, tracking software installed on my computer by now, but uh, found an English translated version of this memo that he wrote or essay that he wrote in July of last year. It's a 16 page essay about Russia and the Ukraine. And it's kind of interesting. It, well, it's maybe a little more than interesting, it's kind of a little bit scary. And, and we'll talk about why, but let, let's just start this way. Let's start with the first sentence from this memo. He says, when I was asked about Russian-Ukrainian relations, I said that Russians and Ukrainians were one people, a single whole. That's just the first sentence. In that, he's saying, this is one country. And what he spends the next 16 pages doing is going through a historical review of everything that's happened from the time all the way back, you know, going back to the early Russian Empire, going all the way back to when the Khans invaded and split up the Russian Empire, and talking through time after time after time again of when, you know, Russia has been taken advantage of by these outside forces who have split up her territory and split up her people. Let's be very clear. He is he is convinced that he is the president of all of Russia, or the head of all of Russia, but he only controls part of it. And he is convinced and is saying to his people that it is outside forces, specifically the West, that has time and time again taken advantage of the Russian people and split up their country. He's on a mission. He is going to have Ukraine, one way or another. You know, when you read this, is is very interesting to me because, you know, it's eerily reminiscent of the German claims to the Rhineland and Western Czechoslovakia in the 1930s. 
you know, it, it throw a little extra drama in there. In the memo, Putin also makes claim to portions of eastern Poland and all of Lithuania. So we've seen this play out before. And I think we have to remind ourselves that, you know, we've been in a very interesting time in history since World War II, from 1945 to 1989. Yes, there was a lot of duck and cover drills, a lot of fear of nuclear war, but you had two relatively sane, um, if not good, uh, foreign powers. You know, you had mutually assured destruction, so they knew that they couldn't do anything too particularly bad controlling most of the world and keeping everybody largely in line. And then after the wall fell, after communism fell, rightfully so, uh, then you had one kind of superpower in the United States that was able to claim a moral high ground and largely speaking uh, kept world order in line as well through their allies in Western democracy. We're entering a new period here. You know, this, this period is a period where you have guys like Putin who have probably always wanted the Ukraine back, who have probably always wanted to reinstate the former USSR and their world power, but before there was a roadblock. And I think that what guys like Putin are saying today, and they're saying it specifically to the USA, is I don't think you have the means or the will to stop us. And that is a theory that he's very interested in testing out right now. We have to remember he's tested it out before. He tested it out in Georgia in 2008, where they still have Russian troops on the ground. He tested it out in the Ukraine in 2014, where they took over a portion of the Ukraine and now continue to control the Crimean Peninsula and call it part of Mother Russia. They've been trying it out with their irregular forces on the ground in Ukraine for a long time. So... You know, I, I don't mean this to be a, a panic signal because it's certainly not a panic sim- signal. But I do think it's one of those signals that is watching how other world leaders are responding to this and watching how this is going to evolve or devolve is going to be very important for us as we look at the world economy. Because don't kid yourselves. You know, if Putin does this, there's at least one other guy that's watching it very closely, and that's Chairman Xi from China, and they were hand-in-hand at the beginning of the Olympics this last week. And he's going to be looking at it and saying, how does this relate to what we do with Taiwan? If Putin can get away with it, maybe I can take Taiwan back too. Because he would argue the same territorial claims issues that Putin is claiming with with regards to Ukraine. So this is one of those times that, you know, for me, it's kind of fascinating. I, I, I do feel like we're living history. You know, as the old saying goes, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And this is starting to rhyme a little bit. And Vladimir's made that very clear in his writings. So it's something we need to pay very close attention to. It's something that as it relates directly to whether or not he invades the Ukraine in the next four weeks, I think we can manage around that sort of issue in portfolios. And I think we are prepared to do that. But I do think that uh, the longer term, we're going to see a few things play out here in the next couple of years, could have some longer term impacts on what the world economy looks like and what world and geopolitical politics look like uh, over the next several years. So with that, we'll leave it there today. Let's go on and cheer on Team USA this week. But let's keep an eye on the Eastern Front and see what Vlad decides to do. Uh, In the meantime, we're going to pay very close attention to earnings and make sure that uh, portfolios are positioned 
to continue to take advantage of that. So with that in mind, we'll wrap it up. I would uh, remind you, as we do every week, if you have additional questions or if there's more information you'd like, feel free to give us a call at 515-273-1333, or you can visit us on the website at www.insightwealthgroup.com. Hope you have a great week. Go USA. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.